Do you consider aid as a new form of colonization? Of course. Why? That's why. <laughs> you know, my people, the Akans, we have a proverb. It says that good morning, thank you, is never enough to sort anybody's food forever. You cannot build your life on thank you, thank you, thank you, morning, thank you, English, thank you, God. You know, we are always receiving, receiving, receiving. Hello, and welcome to another episode of COVID in Africa, a podcast looking at the continental response to COVID-19, where we aim to bring you stories on how this crisis is affecting people's behavior and attitudes on the continent. I'm your host, J.D. Ramalapa. Before we dive into this episode, I'd like to switch things up a little bit and invite you to take two deep breaths. Our resident clinical psychologist and executive life coach, Zofia Borensanyi, is here to tell us how to breathe. The breathing exercise that I would recommend that's very simple, very, very helpful and healing is where you breathe in for four counts through your nose and then breathe out slowly from the diaphragm, eight breaths out. Breathe in through the nose using your diaphragm and breathe out through the mouth for eight counts. So double long as the in-breath, out through the mouth. And repeat that at least five times. But if you really want to have a calming effect, ten times. This actually um, stimulates your vagus nerve. That's the longest nerve in the body. And it really has a direct and quick effect on the heart muscles by the secretion of a neurotransmitter called acetylcholine, ACH. You can Google this. This is a very, very effective technique. So in order to calm things down at home, both for adults and for children, this is a very useful practice. I wanted us to take a deep breath before we start because today we will be talking about COVID-19 and its impact on African economies. Generally money can be a very stressful subject to talk about under normal conditions so it's even more so now under COVID-19 conditions. So let's get into it. When I first told an economist friend of mine, Duma Kubule, that we will be tackling the impact of COVID-19 on African economies, he gave me timely advice, which I'm sharing with you because I'd like for you to also keep it in mind. He said, and I quote, Bear in mind that nobody is a coronanomics expert. It has only been five months, end quote. In short, Nobody knows the true extent of the damage the coronavirus has or will cause in the future. The fact that the coronavirus is a fairly new phenomenon, which we are still in the middle of, has not stopped many people from 
drawing up models or projections on how it's likely to affect the continent based on historical figures. Uh, the IMF, for example, is projecting that the economy of the continent will shrink about 1.6% this year. Um, that was their prediction a while ago. It's probably getting worse than that. That's Denny Bradlow, a Saatchi professor of international development law and African economic relations. He's calling for a debt of vulnerable economies, or Dove Fund in short, to help strained African economies weather the storms caused by the coronavirus pandemic. We'll catch up with Professor Bradlow later on in the show. COVID-19 has affected the labor markets and how work is being done on a daily basis. But for the most vulnerable workers in our societies, such as domestic workers, COVID-19 has meant that they can no longer earn a living. Our producer David Lomoria spoke to some of them in Kenya's capital city, Nairobi. It's Saturday morning in Nairobi's Mbaazi Avenue, and as far as I can see, groups of women are seated in front of gates of these sprawling Nairobi's high-rises. In one group, some women are wearing masks, some masks barely covering their chin, but many others have no masks. Social distance isn't being followed strictly here either. Incredibly looking, but this is a place of hope. Caroline, one of the women, says work has become hard. We are suffering. We do not have ways of survival. Paying for rent is difficult. Even eating is difficult. Like many of these women, Caroline comes here every day in search of work. She cleans, cooks, and takes care of children and the elderly. But since the coronavirus pandemic hit, that work has been diminishing. Her clients are now working from home and keeping safe COVID-19 measures. The employers have terminated our work because of corona. If you go to their houses, you can't be allowed to get in, Caroline told me. These women say they don't want to catch the virus either but they're left with no other option to earn a livelihood amidst the health pandemic. President Uhuru Kenyatta in April announced aid package to cushion people like Caroline, whose work has been severely impacted by COVID-19. Treasury moves to Parliament to offer the following immediate reliefs. An increased disposable income to the people of Kenya through a 100% tax relief for persons earning a gross monthly income of up to Kenya shillings 24,000. But that help doesn't benefit everyone in need. Sisi, tupewanga msaata, tunakapa. 
tunaweza mtu ule kuchotolea mwenyewe na nasaidia sisi lakini vitu vya msaada tuchawaye for us we don't get any help we can get people who individually help us by offering us work but we have not received any government support a few Nairobi residents continue to allow their domestic workers like Caroline and Dorcas to work in their homes but they admit it's a huge risk with my partner we decided that um First of all, we wouldn't stop uh, paying her. Um, nevertheless, any times that she wants to come, and we put the choice of her to come or not. In in for for us, uh, putting our lives in, at risk for COVID, we believe that um, COVID nevertheless has been killing many people, attacks more people that are not active and etc. So the support that we can continue giving to for the family for another family that is our family Mary is almost our family already we prefer to continue and put the choice on her but that choice isn't available for all some domestic workers have had to move in with their employers my spouse had to be forced to be working away from home that is uh, in the house of of uh, the patients she's attending to it is uh, quite uh, inconveniencing but uh, because we need income we have no choice but to go with it David Lomuria for Covid in Africa podcast But it's not just the most vulnerable workers in our societies who have been made even more vulnerable by the pandemic because there's nothing else to do <laughs> middle income workers such as Mbali Tetwa a manager of Skate Sand South Africa also face an uncertain future from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. we have meetings about what we should do what we could do various scenarios we've painted three scenarios about how things will look when we go back whether or not we'll be allowed to have kids and it doesn't help that the people who you're looking for for direction don't really give you any direction so we haven't heard anything from the department of social development about how ngos are supposed to run i'm talking about ngos that are working specifically in sport for development because as a sector we work 100% with having kids in our spaces doing a physical activity and that's exactly the opposite of what's allowed right now so it's really frustrating to think about how to go back to work when the thing you're going back to work for is not allowed um so we spend a lot of time talking about what it could look like once it is allowed which could be any time between now and december we don't know um it's stressful trying to think about people and like their salaries which are being affected it's stressful to think about myself you know like as an individual like okay how long will this continue how long is my own salary guaranteed and if it comes to the point where it can no longer be guaranteed because we haven't been able to go back to work i need to start looking for a job i don't even know where my cv is stored so is what sector is looking for people right now people are closing down businesses like it's a mess like everything is a mess the 
impact of the COVID crisis is going to be profound in a number of ways. Um, firstly, as you can, as we know, in South Africa, it's shut down the economy, and it's done that in a number of African co- countries, so that there's a, a decrease in economic activity. And uh, the IMF, for example, is projecting that the economy of the continent will shrink about 1.6% this year. Um, that was their prediction a while ago. It's probably getting worse than that. And that's because many of the exports of African countries are um, declining. So commodity prices have declined, tourism is declining, um, the domestic economies are shrinking. Um, So all of that is having a very negative effect on the ability of the country to grow. Danny Bradlow, a SACHI professor of international development law and African economic relations, says since Africa has historically high debt levels, it means the cost of debt and debt repayments will inevitably increase, more especially now during the coronavirus crisis. On top of that, African countries now have to spend more of their money on public health services while dealing with the impact of economic shutdowns, providing social support for people worried about losing their jobs, such as in Bali and the domestic workers in Kenya, while also providing basic nutrition for the hungry. African debt services to the ratio of the amount that they have to pay on their external debt um, compared to the total export earnings is about 17%. So that means 17 cents of every dollar that they earn gets spent on um, debt service. African countries, on average, spend something like 5 to 6% on their health budget. So, and the health budget is obviously going up dramatically. Um, and so that if that debt number can't be brought down, that means uh, the, the crisis is going to be that much harder for African countries, on average, for the continent. A number of developmental economists across the global south, such as New Delhi's Dr. Jayati Ghosh, have called for a moratorium on debt repayment across the developing world, including more financial controls to avoid unprecedented economic collapse. Yet most African countries are hesitant to do so because they are simply terrified of global finance and would rather pay their debts while their populations starve. So if you looked at the last African debt crisis in the 1990s, most of the debt was owed to um, official creditors. So the World Bank, the African Development Bank, and the eight programs of various countries. Um, Now a significant chunk, about just over a quarter, is owed to the private sector, to bondholders. They're much less flexible in some ways um, and less, much less amenable to arguments that, or in theory, they're much less amenable to arguments saying, you know, we need to um, look after our health system or feed our people mm. instead of paying our debt. And there are many more of them. So it's much harder to, to meet, to get them all together and get them to agree. And African governments, some of them at least, are concerned um, that if they stop paying the debt service now, when the crisis is over and they need to borrow money to, to get the economies growing and developing again, um, lenders are going to say, we're not interested in lending to you because you, you're a bad credit, because you defaulted last time. And so some of them, so for example, the Kenyan government has said 
They don't want debt relief now because they want to show that they're a good, reliable borrower. Which is why Professor Bradlow believes that there needs to be a debt of vulnerable economies or Dove Fund in short for African countries, which he says will do three things. It will buy African bonds or debt at prevailing discounted prices. It will inform the debtor countries and financial markets that it is committed to hold its bonds to implement a standstill on debt repayments until the global health crisis abates. Third, the fund will pledge to work with African debtors to ensure that their debts do not become an unreasonable burden on their efforts to rebuild their economies post-COVID. I mean, sovereign debt is a human rights issue in itself because how much the government is spending on debt and how it's using the debt has implications for whether it's delivering on its obligations to its citizens to give them access to health care, to education, to jobs, etc. Um, so it's very much connected to, to human rights. Business and human rights has become a much more important issue. And there are a number of international standards. Um, the most prominent is the UN Guiding Principles on Business and Human Rights, which says that states have a responsibility to protect the human rights of their citizens. Uh, companies have a responsibility to respect the human rights of people. There's also some principles on responsible investing which says that investors should pay proper attention to the environmental and social and governance consequences of, of their lending. COVID is not something that uh, Africa or any, any country really could have prevented. It, it, it's, it's a disease that just came and now we all have to deal with it. And I'm not saying that these investors don't have responsibilities to to their shareholders and to the pensioners and people like that who are investing in them. But they still have a responsibility to make sure that they're treating Africa um, responsibly according to the, the standards that they themselves said that they would respect. Bradlow suggests that African countries should negotiate for a two-year standstill on debt repayments in order for each country to have time to assess the extent of the damage that will have been caused by the coronavirus pandemic. Do you consider aid as a new form of colonization? Of course. Why? That's why. <laughs> you know, my people, the Akans, we have a proverb. It says that good morning, thank you, is never enough to sort anybody's food forever. You cannot build your life on thank you, thank you, thank you, morning, thank you, English, thank you, God. You know, we are always receiving, receiving, receiving. In a 1987 interview with Norway's Public Broadcasting Corporation, or NRK, Ghanaian writer Ama Atta Aidu said aid was the new form of colonialism in Africa. Today, debt can be said to be the new form of colonialism in Africa. Ama Atta Aidu's words, spoken more than 30 years ago, are still relevant and likely also apply to the looming debt crisis for most African countries. There is nothing wrong if my house is in a crisis and you offered me something. There's nothing wrong. 
you know, because there is interrelationship. But a whole nation, a whole continent, cannot live forever on aid in Africa. We are in danger of making foreign aid a kind of policy that is wrong. It humiliates our people. The people in the villages have not asked anybody to go around begging on their behalf. And that's where we'll end our COVID in Africa podcast this week. COVID in Africa is a podcast brought to you by Sound Africa. If you like what we do, get in touch with us at info at soundafrica.org or follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and our newsletter by going to our website at www.soundafrica.org. Reporting in this episode was done by David Lomoria in Nairobi, Kenya. Music is Nairobi by Mayonde and Tomorrow by Ben Sound. Story editing was done by Kelly Eve Guapman, who is sadly leaving South Africa to do amazing things in the new world. You can catch up with her and her latest post-COVID project at the new normal game, One Word on All Socials. I'm JD Ramalapa. Merci beaucoup. Muito obrigado. Shukran Jazilen. Asante sana. Paya danki. Siabulela. Enkosi. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and sound. Mm-hmm.